Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. and welcome to the happy hour with jamie ivy podcast i'm your host jamie and each week on the happy hour i invite a girlfriend to join me and what we do is we talk about the big things in life the small things in life and everything in between today's show is sponsored by raven and lily most of you know that i love to support social businesses and one of my favorites is an austin-based ethical lifestyle and fashion brand called raven and lily raven and lily is dedicated to empowering women through design supporting over a thousand artisans across eight countries including ethiopia india pakistan and even right here in the u.s these partnerships offer a sustainable employment and a living wage for these artisans you can shop at raven and lily's beautiful clothing and jewelry accessories and even home goods whenever you come to austin because they have a store right here on east manor or if you can't come to austin and you don't live here like i do then you can shop online Go to ravenandlily.com and you're going to find so much jewelry, home accessories, clothing. And remember, all of this is based on an ethical lifestyle. So these are purchases that you can make that you know are people are earning a living wage for them and people are treated fairly. So I love all of that about Raven and Lily. So check them out, ravenandlily.com. And while you're there, they're giving every happy hour listener 15% off. Just enter the code happy hour when you check out. Today's episode is number 51. And guys, let me just tell you, I am blown away from episode 50 last week. Last week, we celebrated 50 episodes, which was a big milestone for me. I was so excited. It was so much fun. You guys shared it and you commented and you subscribed and you just were so sweet to this little happy hour show. And so thank you so much because of you guys. At one point last week, the show got up to number three in all of religion podcasts. Guys, that's because of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love doing this show, and I will say it a hundred times. I do this show for you, so thank you. If this is your first time, if you're just joining us, or you listened last week and now you're a new listener, I want to say welcome. I'm glad you're here. The shows are a lot of fun, and I know you're going to love it. If you've been here every time, welcome back, friends. Today's guest is Emily Freeman. Emily is the author of Grace for the Good Girl, Graceful, A Million Little Ways, and her newest book, Simply Tuesday, which is what we talk a lot about today. She also blogs at Chatting at the Sky and Hopology and contributes to Dayspring's Encourage. She and her husband live in North Carolina with their three children. You can find her online at emilypfreeman.com. On this show today, Emily and I talk about her newest book a lot, Simply Tuesday. I read it this summer when I was on vacation. We talk about being youth pastor wives. We talk a lot about finding that balance between mothering and working. I feel like I'm in the midst of that right now. And we talk about letting go of the trying so hard life to be it all. You're going to really enjoy this show. It's fun. It's also encouraging. I had a lot of fun talking with her. And now after our conversation, I want a bench in my front yard. And after this show, you're going to want one as well. Emily's graciously giving away a copy of her book. And I'll tell you how to do that at the end of the show. Guys, if you haven't subscribed, it's super easy. Head on over to jamieivy.com slash iTunes. And you can subscribe right there. Um, if you like the show, I'd love it if you subscribe because then every week when a new show comes out on Wednesdays, it just pops right up in your listening device, however you listen. Guys, just this week, my friend Shanna, she found me at church and she was like, hey, I was listening to you and Jen in the kitchen and I was having a really hard day and just a lot of stuff was going on and I thought, I'm going to put on the happy hour. And she said, I listened to the whole show and then when it was over, I felt like that my girlfriends had left my kitchen with me. And guys, that's exactly what I want this show to be like. So sit back, enjoy the conversation. Join Emily and I at the happy hour. Hi, Emily. Hi. I'm so glad to meet you. Oh, me too. You know, we, I think we might have met at the if, at the oh. if thing a couple of years ago when we had the leader thing. Well, um, we might have. Did I interview you? That makes me yeah. feel really, okay. I'm no, so. No, that's totally. It was with like a couple other people. It was Who kind of rushed and crazy. Gosh, Annie. No, it wasn't Annie Downs. Krista Black. Okay. I remember that now. I was yes. with Krista. Yeah. 
That was the first time I met both of y'all. I am so sorry that I did not oh, remember not that. Oh, not at all. I no, I did well, 800 interviews that day. Oh, I know. Usually I'm the one who people are like, yeah, we met. I'm like, it's so nice to meet you. They're like, oh, yeah, we've met four times. <laughs> I know. I, I, I always tell – my husband makes fun of me. He says I have facial recognition disease. Like I will see someone and I'll be like, oh, my God, I think I know them. I think I – how do I know them? And he's like, oh, they, we had dinner with, at their house for like right. five hours. <laughs> they bared their soul to you, Jamie. I'm like, oh, this is lovely. I'm such a good pastor's wife. That's the way it goes. Yeah. What is it with the, my husband was a pastor for 12 years, a youth pastor and everyone knows him and he knows everyone. I know. And I, so I just always, I'm like, oh, it's so good to see you again. Cause I know I've seen them, but I don't know their name. That's what, see, Aaron taught me that a long time ago. He said, you need to say, it's good to see you again. Not, uh-huh. <laughs> it's nice to meet you because then right. they're like, oh, we've met. <laughs> Never bye. Oh, okay. Well, it's nice to talk to you again, Emily. Oh, absolutely. You too. This is so fun. I actually listened to um, a Hopology episode. I was driving home yesterday. And so it was like I was with you. Oh, good. I'm so glad. People say that to me when they listen to the podcast. Like, I feel like I'm with you. And so I get it. I felt like I was with you yesterday. Right. That's what you want. You want people to feel like that they're with you. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay. So it's Monday morning when we're recording this on... I don't even know what day it is anymore because it's summer and that's what happens in the summer. Right. It's July. It's a day in July. (laughs) It's sometime in July. That's a good way to say it. And I just dropped – one of my sons is away on a trip and I just dropped off all three of my kids at at day camp. What? So I have a whole week of like every day, nine to four with nothing. Wow. That's even longer than when they're in school, at least for us. But that doesn't happen in the summer ever. Way. Now, I saw that your girls were just out of town without you. Oh my goodness. This is the first time they've ever been out of town without a, like without my mom or John's mom or somebody with them for five nights. So was this harder for you or them? It's a good question. It's a really good question <laughs> because I mean, I've like, I mean, have been gearing up for this because thinking not just like, oh, are they going to be okay? Are they going to be safe? Not really that, but more they get kind of nervous at night at oh, home even mm-hmm. just sort of going to bed and, you know, the yeah. nighttime routine. I mean, they're 11 and a half, so they're not, you know, toddlers. Right. But sure enough, they'll email us every night because they don't have phones, but they do have, they can email us. Uh-huh. And so they'll email, I miss you, mommy. And then like every cry face emoji that is possible, oh they'll put that and I'm like, oh my goodness. So, um, but they've done great and they'll come back today. So we'll get to hear all about it. I'm okay. sure. So you think they're doing well though? I mean, the, the, you think yeah. the cry face emojis are just like, just, I miss you. Not like, I, I think it's it. just, I miss you. I don't think it's, I hate, I okay. think they would have said like, pick me up now. I hate everything. True. But they haven't. And they're with like one of their best friends and they're, ha- they've had a great time. That's good. But I'm ready for them to be home. I'm sure. I know I was out of town last week and then my son's out of town this week. So it'll be two weeks before I see him. And that's a long time. I don't think I've ever How gone that he? long. He's 11, like your girls. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's a long time. It's a long time. So, I know it's kind of crazy, but he's having a, he's having so much fun. It's just our trips overlapped. And so. Right. So wonderful. Well, when do you ever have time when all your kids are away? Um, I do. Every summer, my parents... Um, my mom, they call my mom Grandy, uh-huh. and so every summer she has Grandy Camp, and so all three of my kids and all three of my sister's kids for, I mean, since since they were old enough to sort of be away from us for a night, they've done this every summer for four or five days. This year it's a little shorter, but um, yeah, so that's coming up in a couple weeks, Grandy Camp, and they do all kinds of fun stuff uh, together. Love- I yeah. love Grandy Camp. I want Grandy Camp. <laughs> that sounds Don't awesome. You camp? Yes. So when your kids go to Grandy Camp, do you and your husband do anything special or do y'all just – I know you, I just read your book and we're going to talk about it. And I know you talk about this a little bit in there. But do y'all do anything special or do you just kind of chill? Well, both. It okay. used to be that they did Granny Camp when John was traveling uh, with the youth group. Uh-huh. So it would be like five days of me by myself, which I love. Really? To, you know, it's uh-huh. so fun yeah. to be by yourself. <laughs> but now, um, but it's actually really fun to just he and I to have time and to have time at our own house without the kids. Like that, it's kind of sad a little bit when they're not around, but we get over it pretty yeah, fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll like go out on a date, you know, or um, hang out and watch whatever. Sometimes it's – I have this weird thing. I like to watch the evening news at like 6.30, but I don't like to do it if the kids are home because it's I too sad. Mm-hmm. And so when they're not here, I'm like, I get to watch the news. <laughs> I'm so lame. Jamie, I'm That's so lame. That's not lame. We don't watch the news in our house because my parents are always like, did you hear about this? I'm like, no. I no. mean like yeah. if I don't get on the internet until the night, I won't hear about it. So tell me because we don't watch the news either. It's too much for the kids. It's too much. So when they're gone, I watch the news. And, um, you know, 
take my time in the morning yeah. to sort of read. I don't have to cut it off at a certain time to make breakfast. I can just keep reading yeah. or writing or whatever. So it's a good time. We usually that's, kind of lay low. That's great. We've had, I mean, a handful that I can think of nights in our house without our kids. And it's just weird. It, it just it's seems weird. weird to me. Yeah. I'm like, there should be other people here. But it's great. It's glorious. It's wonderful. So wonderful. Yeah, it's good. You need both. You know, yeah. you need like most mm-hmm. of the time with them, but then every now and then it's nice to have yeah. a little break. Yeah. Now, you and I have this in common is that when I first married my husband, Aaron, he was a youth pastor. Oh, yeah. And so I jumped into pastor's wife um, really quickly. I mean, obviously, he was already a pastor when I got married, and um, it was a rough transition for me. It really yeah. was. Looking, what was, I mean, what was the roughest thing about it? Looking back, it didn't feel rough at the time, I don't think. But I think looking back, I feel like I'm more myself today and in the past probably 10 years than I was then. And so I felt, and I think I put this on myself. I put no blame on anyone else. I felt as if I had to keep up. I had to look good. I had to be good. Um, and, I, and I do think those were all self-imposed things um, looking back. But it was hard because I also just started following Jesus maybe like two years before we got married. And so uh-huh. then, I mean, it was just, and I didn't leave, lead the best of lives before then. So it was hard. But I think I just faked it till I made it, till I made it. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I see that it was hard. But yeah. Yeah. I know. But you That's have so recently, you were a pastor's wife for a long time. Yeah, well, same as you, John graduated from seminary in May of 2001, and then in June of 2001, we got married. And us so, too, us too. Oh, look at us. I know, we look live at us. the same life. We live the same <laughs> life. Are you me? Yes. Um, so anyway, yeah, he, he became a youth, he got the job as a youth pastor just, and he wasn't even, I mean, he got his MDiv, he took one youth pastor class in his whole seminary, so he wasn't really wanting to be a youth pastor necessarily. Right. But it was the job. It was what was available. And we, he was getting married, so he needed a job. Hello, yeah. Um, plus, and then he's super loyal, so he stayed in youth pastoring for 12 years. <laughs> it's just hilarious. But yeah, so I jumped right in, too. I mean, our we got back from our honeymoon, and a week later, we left for a week for, this, with it with high school students. This is the story of our life. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. I, I get everything oh, about it. Oh, my goodness. Yep, I know. That was great. Looking back, I'm like you. Looking back, like... That is insane. Mm-hmm. What were you thinking? Mm-hmm. But at the time, it's like, oh, yeah, this is what you do. You go on a trip with I the know. students, and <laughs> you've been married for seven days, whatever. And you bunk with all right. the girls. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I remember after we got married, when a trip that I went on with him for something, it was like there wasn't a room. Because he was, he was also a worship leader, so he traveled not only as a student pastor, but on the side as well. So I would go with him on a trip, and I remember there was a trip where there wasn't a room for like us to be together. And I was right. like, uh, I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> like, I'm not sleeping by myself when my husband's in another room with a bunch of yeah. guys. No, thank oh, yeah. you. We slept. We slept on the floor in the sanctuary of a church. Guys on one side, girls on the other side. <laughs> Could y'all like be in the middle and hold hands under the pew or something? <laughs> That's exactly what we did. We 100% did that. Oh, uh, you're like, we're the guard. No one's getting past us to the other side. Yep. That's what we, we did. we can touch each other because we're married. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Youth pastors. I look at youth pastors wives and I really want to just like kiss them. I just want to I know. Like, you, you can do it. I, I right. am so for you. I know. Bless you. Bless and my, I don't know about what grade your girls are going in. Cause it sounds like our oldest are the same age, but my son's going to sixth grade next year. Yep. That's us so too. So we start student ministry. Yep. Which I, I didn't think I was going to be like weird about it. I mean, yeah. it's just another thing in life, but some of our friends lead worship for the students here. And so they're like, hey, can we pick Caden up and bring him this week? And he's not, they haven't transferred up or whatever they do, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah. And so he picked him up and took him. And I thought, this is not how I thought it would go down. I thought I would take him to his first event and stand in the back and make sure everything was okay. But no, he just showed up with the band. And I was like, I guess that's even better for him. I mean, right. you know. Right. I know you plan for like these monumental moments in life. Yes. And then they come like as an afterthought. It's yes. like, wait, that, that's not how this goes. That's not how I thought it would happen. Yeah. I know. Uh, which makes me – okay, so your kid, your girls, are they going to students? They're going – yeah, they're going into middle school, so they'll okay. be part of it. But we, we used to be part of this huge, ginormous church here mm-hmm. in Greensboro where we live in North Carolina, and um, that's where John was a youth pastor. We had, four, you know, hundreds of students. Right. And then, but um, but when he, he left that job, in order to sort of make space for the new guy, you know, you want to respect, oh, yeah, give sure. him his space. Yep. So we left the church. We loved the people, and it was a 
amicable parting. But we ended up, we're at a tiny little church, less than 200 people. So student ministry at that church looks very different than what we were a part of. And so it's not as um, scary for the mom. You know, it's sort of like, oh, okay, just move up to this Uh other class with your friends. (laughs) Great. I love it. Yeah. And um, it kind of fits their personality though. So it's good. That's good. Okay, and we haven't said, but you have three kids. You have the two girls that are twins that are 11, and then you have a son that's how old? He just turned nine, and he's headed into second grade. Third grade. I lied. Third grade. Third grade. Okay. (laughs) This is kind of like my my 11-year-old going to sixth grade, and I have two boys going into fourth grade, and then I have a daughter going into second grade. There you go. All the the move-ups, you know. Yep. You get confused. Uh, Yep. Well, speaking of slowing down in smaller churches and living smaller, I read your book last week when I was on vacation, which was so fun because I'm reading Simply Tuesday about slowing down and, you know, embracing everything. And I'm on the most beautiful beach in the world. And it was just the best. That's perfect. I was like, there's no better book to read right now than this. Because when I go away with Aaron on vacation, it's a reflection time for me, big time. I mean, the kids aren't there. I reflect on my marriage, my relationship with God, friends, parenting so much. And so I'm like, this is a perfect book. So thank you for writing it for me for last week. You're so welcome. (laughs) It was so wonderful. But tell me and everyone that's listening, like, where did this book come from? Where, where was this, was this, was this in your soul for a long time? I think it has been, you know, each book has its own personality, really. And I think that, you know, we like to say, well, this book, you know, I ha- this is my fourth book. Mm-hmm. And, and each book, though, what I have found is they kind of all talk to one another. And so really, it's sort of like I write the same book, but it's just, you know, at different times, and it's packaged differently. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> but it's still me, you right, know, and it's uh-huh. still my own stories. But um, this book, Simply Tuesday, Tuesday has always been my favorite day of the week for a very long time. It started w- in college, when um, my favorite singer songwriter, you know, a lot of times I feel like we have to find artists who help us um, understand the invisible world of God in ways that maybe we can't put into mm-hmm. words. So when I find artists who are able to articulate the things I know in my soul but can't say into words, I really pay attention. One of those artists for me is Sarah Mason. She's a singer-songwriter, lives in Nashville. Um, her husband is David Dark. He's also a writer. But um, anyway, so she has this song on one of her earliest albums called Tuesday. And one of the ly- the lyric, the beginning lyric goes, Tuesday after a reckless and used day, I was running and running without a chance to stop and chat at the sky. Mm. And that lyric um if anyone doesn't know i have a blog called chatting at the sky for about 10 years that i've been writing on and it was inspired obviously from that song because i can so relate with that feeling of running and running Mm -hmm. without a chance to stop and so um at that time years ago i chose tuesday as a day to to stop um you know sundays were not a sabbath for our family because john was a pastor and so we had to choose a different day Mm -hmm. um and john took mondays off so mondays were sort of his sabbath but you know, as a mom of littles at that time when they were, a lot of them were still, you know, they were still home and, or in preschool. Um, it just, I, I had to sort of choose a day that, um, was my own day in a way, just where I would decide to pay attention on purpose to not just the lovely small things, mm-hmm. but also the messy and the unexpected small things that actually make up my real life. Mm. And so I started on the blog a, a day, Tuesdays Unwrapped is what we called it. And other, moms, mostly moms, but not just moms, would would purpose to take Tuesday and look at their actual Tuesdays and take a photo or write a few lines on their blog and link up. And we did that for years where we would just sort of share. And Tuesday became this day of celebrating the lovely, the messy, and the unexpected parts of life because that's what really makes up our real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was several years ago. And and though I don't do that every week on the blog anymore, now we do it on Instagram using the hashtag, it's simply Tuesday. I've noticed and we do and the I same love thing. it. Yes. It's such a fun, if you would just go to a simply Tuesday hashtag and scroll through, it's so worshipful for me to just see these lovely, simple yeah. moments in everyday life. Um, sometimes pretty, a lot of times pretty, but a lot of times just normal and normal, regular. Yeah. Um, and I just think that is, I a lot of times, especially in the world of being an author and mm-hmm. writing books, mm-hmm. there's a big temptation I sense in myself to sort of grow bigger, yeah. get you know higher, climb the ladder. What else can I do? Let's build the platform. Mm-hmm. And I've really um, tried that some, and in some ways that's part of the job. And and I don't I don't despise that. I think that that's you know a way to do it well is you have to build and grow. But I get into trouble when I apply those same principles to my soul. Mm -hmm. And so um, writing about Tuesday, writing about smallness, this whole book for me has been um, 
really, it's, I feel like Jesus has been a kind companion for me in this process of reminding me that um, in these small moments that, that that's where Christ lives, that he's not sort of waiting for me on the weekend, okay, uh-huh. now that you've done something important, but he's actually with me in my everyday Tuesday moments uh-huh. and learning to not just, um, not just be happy that he's there or, or, or believe that he's there, but actually look for him there. That's made all the difference yeah. for me. I think if you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Excuse me. I think when I was reading your book, one of the things that stood out to me, um, you tell a story in here about going and talking with um, like a spiritual mentor woman who really helped you um, deal with some stuff in your soul and connect with God. And it was beautiful. And one of the things that you mentioned is you told her um, that you made soup today. And then you realized how that was so beautiful. And I thought to myself, um, wow, there are so many things I do every single day that if I just stop to think about how wonderful that is, it would change what I thought about in the moment. You know what I'm saying? I do. Well, that day I made soup. It's funny because that had been one of those running and running without a chance to stop uh-huh. type of days. I had been traveling for a couple of weeks and hadn't been home. And that day, the afternoon, I think it was a Sunday even, um, I chopped up the vegetables and, you know, made the boil the chicken and mm-hmm. and just all the things the steps that you have to do to go through to make a soup and i remember the kids were playing outside and the window was open and i could hear them and had music playing in the kitchen and lit a candle it was just it was very sweet but when i told mary and my friend who you mentioned uh-huh. um, when i tried to explain it to her i realized all that came out of my mouth was i made soup and 
right as I was realizing how dumb that sounded, like I need, I felt like, no, no, wait, I want to explain to her what I mean by I made soup. Uh-huh. She, she, she didn't let me continue. And she simply looked at me and said, that's really beautiful. And in that moment, I realized, oh, wow, she gets it. She uh-huh. understands yeah. that making soup is actually a really big deal because making soup isn't just about the soup. Making soup means I'm home and I'm mm-hmm. in my kitchen and I'm grounded. I'm with my people. Mm-hmm. And that's a really lovely place. Um, but I don't always recognize it. That day I did. I don't yeah. always, but that day I did. Oh, I love that so much. And and you talk about several stories about things that you've seen that have stopped in their tracks and stuff. But I want to talk to you about this right here with working. Um, yes, I told you I listened to y'all's podcast yesterday. And, oh, I took a picture of it so I could remember what y'all titled it. Um, the day I realized I had a job. Right. Do you remember recording that? Oh, yes. Okay. So the day I realized I had a job was the show that I listened to yesterday. And I remember driving and listening to it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Because you talk a lot. You and your sister and your father talk a lot about working and how when you work from home, it can be so difficult to kind of bridge that gap between home and work and try to find your rhythms there. And I know that I struggle with that and I'm in the midst of struggling with that now. And I think a lot of people listening are struggling with that. Um, but you just said some, you said some really beautiful things about just trying to like, and I think it was actually, um, your sister who said she wrote out like a purpose statement for everything and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write a purpose statement for my work and for my home and for all of these different things. Um, but you talk about how you and John had to wrestle through that with yeah, you being at home and working. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've sent some of that here in our house as well, just trying to figure that out. What would you say is an encouragement to someone who's feeling like, I have this, cre- and, and you re- you redefine work on that podcast too, which I appreciated because you said it's not just monetary value, you know, yeah, like this right. is like a creative outlet. This makes me a better person. This makes me find who I am. What would you say to a woman who's like kind of struggling with that work aspect of wanting um, to do something that fulfills her, but, tr- but doing it in the home is hard um, and slowing down all of that together. I'm just like, I read your book and then I heard the podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love all of this. So talk to a woman who's struggling with that right now. You know, I think for me, uh, I was that woman (laughs) and still am. And the first thing for me was to admit that this is important what I'm doing. I think Mm -hmm. that if I don't come to a place of recognizing not just like this is something that I'm trying or this is something that to actually value it for what it is and then to talk about how you value that with the people who you live with in your family. Mm-hmm. For me, it was my husband, um, that if he didn't know that was important to me, then I can't expect him to value it. Yeah. Because if I don't value it, then why would he? And that's where our friction was those first several years. Because mm-hmm. see, writing a book, for some people, you know, you 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 plan, you go out and get a job. Most people, you, you want to get a job. You go out, you interview for a job. Right. They offer you the job. You meet with HR. Uh-huh. You get, you know, benefits. You Here's your paid time off. When you, when you sometimes though, that you don't, it doesn't work that way. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when, like for me, writing books and for a lot of other types of creative jobs or jobs where you're self employed, you do your own thing, you have an Etsy shop, whatever it is, you don't apply for a job and it's handed to you and then you have a boss. Right. Instead, for me, I just had an idea for a book and John was a youth pastor and it wasn't even an idea for a book. It was an idea for a small group with yeah. girls in our youth group. And so I was doing it at our church and I ended up talking with someone who said that could be a book. And I wrote a book proposal. So I did write a proposal, but I didn't see it as applying for a job. Right. Because it's and different. Even, it's different. Yes. And you don't expect it to happen. And mm-hmm. then even when I got the book deal, I just saw that as one book deal. I didn't see that as this is the beginning of a career. A career, a job. It, mm-hmm. it took me two and a half books before I realized, <laughs> oh, I'm doing this. This right. is like kind of my job. Uh-huh. And it was, I remember the very day I walked home, I walked the kids to school and I was walking home and I started to feel that anxiety on the inside, sort of like that. Yes. You're starting to make a list in your head, like, okay, I got it. Oh, yes. Do. And it was all like home stuff, work stuff. It was all mixed together. Yes. It wasn't like, oh, now I'm going to go in, take a shower and go to work. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm going to go in, do the dishes, write a blog post, take a shower, maybe if right. I'm lucky, <laughs> Yeah. you know wash another dish because I only got halfway through this morning because I got a call from my editor. You know, it just all mixes together. And I realized all of a sudden loading the dishwasher, oh, I have a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the most weird, random thing. And I thought, no wonder I'm feeling shaky on the inside is because I have a job, but nobody knows it, including me. <laughs> right. So I'm trying to do this whole thing and juggle. And 
I finally, I remember, you know, John and I had to have a conversation. It was, it was book three before we had this conversation of, okay, this is what I'm, this is my job. Emily, that kind of cracks me up. What is happening? What is my life? (laughs) By the way, I think I'm an author. (laughs) Right. I think, I think this might be my job. I I mean, it was, you know, we definitely worked things out and we had, but it wasn't like sort of a, I think I had an experience. I didn't, maybe I didn't have the confidence to say, I'm going to do this for a long time. Maybe that was part of it too. And, and recognizing the shape of my own soul that I think God made me a writer. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I realized that that was my way of worshiping him and my way of offering something to the world that was me being myself coming fully alive. Mm -hmm. That is worth something. And if you're a person who does that as your job or you don't get paid a cent, Mm -hmm. that is still in the economy of heaven, that is still something that is worth something, maybe even more than money. Right. And so, um, to value that, and I, but see, I didn't have the vocabulary to value mm-hmm. that uh, at first. It took many years of of working it out, of actually writing and doing it. When John and I, and then John and I had to have some conversations, like, okay. This is, this is what needs to get done this week. And it became very practical. I mean, we yeah. would get, you know, I have to write this article. I need to do these two interviews. And next week I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for us for the next three weeks? Um, as far as sitters go, yeah. dinners, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it became just, we had to be super intentional. Yeah. Otherwise we'd get super irritable mm-hmm. with each other yeah. and. I would like regret everything and want to burn the laptop. Oh my gosh. And I, I yes. don't think that's really, you know, from the Lord either. Cause right. do you ever just sort of daydream like, let's just shut it all down, um, yes. shut it down, <laughs> close it all. I'm going to cancel the blog. Yeah. I'm not going to do another podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be a mom and make spaghetti. Yeah, that's what right. I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when I know that's my soul telling me, pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. Take a little time. You need some margin. Yeah. And usually when I do that, that's when I recognize, oh, I don't actually need to burn the laptop. Mm-hmm. That, that would actually not be the answer. Right. <laughs> but that my work and my life can coexist. I just have to give myself margin. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really good for for us. We, I've, the, everything you said, I'm just like nodding my head like crazy. Like, yes, yes, yes. Because we feel that tension in our house as well. And it takes being very intentional with conversations between Aaron and I as well. Because he also um, um, is busy and travels and Right. right. And does all kinds. I mean, we have, he's busier than I am, you know, so all of a sudden here I am starting to travel some and that's been just hard because our family wasn't built that way. I think that's, what's been hard for me too. It's like when we started out, we never had intentions of me being a working mom on right. both of our, on both of our ideas. Like I was perfectly happy with that. And so I think then when things start creeping in, you're like, Oh wait, how do we do this? We've never done this before, you know? Yes. So that's yes. been hard for us. Yeah. Well, and I had to grieve um, the the loss of the life I thought I was going to have. I know that sounds crazy because I have a great life, but I thought it was going to look a certain way mm. and it's looking different. Um, I've also had to pull in the margins. I've had to pull in the boundary lines a little bit because, you know, people can love you and support you and cheer you on, but nobody will say no for you. You have to say no for yourself. Oh, yeah. And so redefining my yeses and my nos. And even though, yes, I do have this writing career now and this is my job, but it's not my life. Mm-hmm. And so deciding to say no to things means I will, I do miss out on some opportunities and um, maybe I would sell more books if I would do A, B, and C, but yeah. I'm not willing to sac- to do the sacrifice that that would take. Mm-hmm. Um, and But sometimes I do. And so it's just kind of recognizing and, and saying yes to maybe a few too many things to realize, oh, wait, next time I'm not going right. to say yes to that many mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And just learning as you go and giving yourself grace. It's It's such a process. That's true. I want to read something from your book, and it goes along with what we're talking about. It's under the category, under the chapter of stairwells and stages, and it's about um, and maybe just because this resonated with so much for me and just where I am in my life of of my podcast growing and everything that's happening in my world. So I'm going to read this, and then I want to talk about it. You say this in the creative circles where I often mingle. I hear. I'll hear people toss around phrases like make it big or catch your big break, implying we're all waiting for some invisible access to success and everything that happens until then is just preparing us for the real thing. I'm sure most professions have similar language, always mindful of being one connection, conversation, or ladder rung away from greater success. But waiting for your big break isn't Tuesday language. And then you said this, and remember I'm reading this on the beach reflecting on my life. And you said, what if your big break is really a breaking from big? What if your big, break, your big break is you becoming acquainted with the suffering and brokenness of Jesus? We're called to live with Jesus and embrace his downward ways. We are not called to live by whatever means necessary as long as the ends look holy. 
Jesus' ministry was marked by a rhythm of solitude, crowds, practical needs, hushing, leaving, hiding, and moving on. The book of Mark documents this so well, each chapter building on the last. And you go on to talk about Jesus' ministry and how there were times when he specifically was like pulling away from the crowds. And you said it didn't change his mission. And it didn't change his mission at all. It just changed the way it looked a little bit. He said he doesn't shy away from his calling because it's somehow wrong to be famous. No, he continues to move, continues to preach, continues to heal. Fame is a result of all of that for Jesus. And he continues to move move towards people knowing he will get attention for it. And I read that this week, Emily, and it was so good for me because I'm in this really early stages of making decisions about what's going to happen. And I think like, man, I need to stop. And I need to stop thinking about, well, if I do this, that's going to help me with this. And if I do this, that will help me with this. Instead of just stopping and embracing just Jesus. And I don't know why that hit me so hard this week, but it did. And so what did that look, how is that translated in your life? I mean, you wrote it. And so how does, how is that translated for you? Yeah. When I think about Jesus, he didn't hang around with the Kings. You know, he didn't have lunch with Herod. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't even talk about Herod much. Um, he hung out with, the lowly and the vulnerable and the weak. Um, and yet, you know, I, I recognize within myself a tendency to point to the giant stages mm-hmm. and the, the huge Christian, you know, sort of giant platforms and mm-hmm. sort of judge that and say, Oh, but Jesus calls us to small places. You know, he calls us to small places in our soul, mm-hmm. but sometimes the result will look very big. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it did for him. I mean, he had a huge, he would draw huge crowds right. so much so that they he would have to stand out in the boat, you mm-hmm. know, and so that he, everybody could hear him. So it, the result is not um, something that's up to me to judge. Um, the, the the problem though is when I start to become an outcome manager. Mm. So it's like what you said. Oh, if I do this, and mm-hmm. if I, you know, it's sort of like you become this this this. You're pulling puppet strings to try to make something happen. Right. And you look at those big stages and you say, well, that's the goal mm-hmm. because we always hear well. Um, we always hear, and, and I do this too sometimes, is I'll equate God and favor and where he, his favor lies with growth and size. Mm-hmm. And so I say, well, if something is growing, then that means God has, have, his favor rests upon that thing. Right. And while it's true that healthy things grow, it's also true that they don't always grow in my way or in my timing. And so I think that the danger for me is when I start to try to become that outcome manager and look at growth and size as a determiner of whether or not what I'm doing is successful, Mm -hmm. um, instead of sitting in my small place with Jesus, trusting him, walking with him into the next ordinary moment. And whatever happens as a result of that is out of my hands. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that might look huge and for some of our friends it does right and sometimes that might look very small it might look like 10 women in a living room Mm -hmm. um that's not up to me and for me the daily struggle is letting go of that outcome and trusting in christ with that part Mm -hmm. and simply um, walking with my friend jesus into the next ordinary moment no matter what happens as a result yeah and I, when you're saying that, I'm like, I feel like it's this continual like battle in your soul of your flesh versus your spirit, because what you're saying is I want that. Yeah. I want that smallness. I want everything to matter for him and not for me at all. And then you have your flesh that's like, no, I mean, but if more people bought my paintings, that would be better. Or if I made it into this gallery, if I sold more books, then that would be a better, I would be a better person. And then that's just not true. It's just not true. And two, I have to be careful not to always be judging my motives because a lot of times I want both. Mm. You know, I yeah. want I want to be small and I want to be big yes. and I want to glorify Christ and I want to glorify myself. Uh-huh. And I, it's just that's what it means to be human. Yeah. And if I spend all my time shaming myself and oh, woe is me, I can't believe I have all these mixed motives. Yeah, welcome to the world. Right. Um, welcome to being human. Uh-huh. The beauty is that Christ came down to be with us. And then even in my crazy mixed up motives, he still can bring himself glory. He still can um, find lovely ways to meet me in those places. And I, and even in that, I don't have to manage the outcome of my own mixed motives that right. I can just trust that he's renewing me day by day. And that's what it means that he's given me a new spirit and a new heart. And that even though I don't always listen to that new spirit and that new heart, Mm -hmm. it's still what's most true about me. Yeah. I mean, isn't that great? That's exactly what Paul says when he's like, I want to do these things, but I do these things, but I want to do these things. And then, and then he starts like chapter eight. He's like, but there's no condemnation. 
and I'm there's like, no oh. condemnation. I love that coming right after that because I Absolutely. that's me. I'm always like I want to do what my spirit wants, but my flesh is so big sometimes. Yeah, um, but you're right. We don't have to walk in that shame. We can let that go. And I think did I hear you say that on this podcast where you're like I had all of these balls in the air and I had to drop one and I had to drop shame. Yeah, I like we've got enough that, yeah. balls in the air. We don't have to let shame yeah. be one of them. Yeah. yeah. That's good. And I think that will bring a lot of, that brings a lot of hope to women when we can actually like sit in when we're feeling ashamed to think, I don't have to carry this. This is, this is not my burden to carry. I'm going to let this go. That'll preach. I'm going to let it go. (laughs) Hey guys, before we get back to the interview, I wanted to let you know about a way that you can support the happy hour podcast. Audible is an audiobook service that lets you read books with your ears. If you're like me, the possibility of getting to sit down and read a book isn't super likely, but with Audible, you can listen to books during your drive time, while kids practice, or even while running at the gym. Right now, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To download your free audiobook today, go to jamieivy.com slash audible. It's a way to help me out, and it's a way for you to listen to all those amazing bestsellers that you haven't quite had the chance to sit down and read. If you like it, you can keep the membership, but if not, you can cancel at any time. Again, it's jamieivy.com slash audible. Sign up today and get a free audiobook because what's better than free? Um, so when you, is this, I'm going to ask this as a really stupid question because I know it's I can't true. wait. I know. <laughs> you really put a bench out in the middle of your cul-de-sac? We really did. <laughs> like you just thought this would be awesome here? Well, we. Because I, I love mean, it. Yeah. What happened was we moved into this house and we had our kids were, mm, let's see, our youngest was two and the twins were four or five. And we just, we, it's a cul-de-sac and two houses away from us, like I'm staring at their house right now, is my brother-in-law. Which I love. Yeah. And their family, they have two little girls. And so it's a cul-de-sac, which when you have kids, that's like a track, you know, they go around the track in their tricycles Uh and their little, you know, motorized cars. And it's like super fun. So we found ourselves out in the cul-de-sac all the time. And my mother-in-law would come over a lot and we would be like pulling chairs from the, you know, lawn chairs Uh from the garage or having blankets. And she got sick of that. So she was like, I think it would be great if you had a permanent bench out here in your grassy area of the cul-de-sac so I could sit down on it. (laughs) And so she bought one and she brought it over. And then our neighbor, um, who's about her age, saw the bench one day and was like, I love that idea. I'm going to get a matching bench. And so she did. So we then had two uh, matching benches in the cul-de-sac and it was so fun. And one evening as I was making dinner, I noticed that uh, a couple of our neighbors, not even the one who bought the bench, came out of their houses at about the same time. And they're probably in their late seventies um, and sat down on the benches. And I ended up going out and saying hello. And um, but But they stayed out there for over an hour. I'd seen them outside before sort of like chatting over their mail or just whatever, but they'd never, I'd never seen them outside for an hour. And the reason's not, it's not because, oh, now they have all these wonderful things to talk about. No, they've lived in the cul-de-sac for 40 years. They have (laughs) things to talk about. But before it wasn't so easy. And so the benches simply gave them a regular, simple place to be together. Um, And for me that day, it was such a ordinary moment and like a regular nothing moment really Uh but I think it was again back to work I was sort of in that time of um thinking about okay what does it mean to build a platform and oh I'm so Uh it makes me feel twisty and weird on the inside and I hate talking about it and um but I saw them on those benches and I was like oh it's like the Lord just gave me that as a metaphor for my writing and it was almost like he said Emily I'm not asking you to build a platform. I'm just asking you to build a bench. And a bench is is a simple place for people to gather. It doesn't give something to talk about. It enters into a conversation that's already happening. gives people a place to rest, a simple place to be. It's a common place to gather. And that's what I wanted my writing on the blog at the time to be for Mm -hmm. people was just to offer a bench. Like I'm entering a conversation that's already happening. I'm not making up new things. You know, no need for that. Uh Everything's already been said, but maybe it's not been said in my way or in this timing. And so that's sort of helped me think about my work. But as I um, continued, especially in the writing of this book, to think about um, what does it mean to celebrate my smallness, not just in my work, but also in my family, in my relationships, in my own soul, in the plans I make for my future, um, I kept coming back to this picture of the bench and what it looks like to sit down on the inside in all of these areas on a simple bench, bench with gathering with others. You know, it really, it makes a big difference. Yeah. Oh, I love, I remember reading about it in the, in the book and I'm like, I'm not, I know that she's not lying to me, but this is amazing. Like, this (laughs) is just amazing. 
<laughs> and I love that. It's just so wonderful. Um, so beautiful. Um, and I also want to talk to you about this. I read this in your book, and if I can find where it was. But you talked about how it's harder to trust God um, with the small things than it is with the big things. And in fact, you said this. You said, as hard as this is to admit, sometimes it's easier for me to have faith, to be patient, and to trust God in the midst of the big challenges of life because it's just so obvious I'm not in control. The diagnosis, the job insecurity, the safety and well-being of my family. In these circumstances, it feels like my only choice for comfort, peace, or sleeping even a little at night is unrelenting trust in God. And then you go on to talk about how it's harder to trust him um, in the smaller things. And I totally was like, I agree that because I think with the smaller things, I feel like I have control. Right. Because it's familiar and mm-hmm. you've done this before. And yeah. I got this part, but it's those big things I can't control. God, and I'm, you take and care I'm of willing those. to let him take care of those. Like I'm like, hands up, you've got this. I have no right. control over this. Right. Like you said, diagnosis, job, whatever. But in the small things, I feel like I have to have my hands in the midst of everything. And right. I think that is, it can be, it can be so weary to women. I think so too, because then you don't even realize that you've been carrying the weight of all those small things mm-hmm. for so long, yeah. and and they can really add up to a big thing right. if you do it yeah. too. Long. Yeah, and I think it begins to seem normal to us as well. Would you agree? Like we just like, oh, oh, this is what we do. This is just what we do. This yeah. is normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think recognizing um, that that Christ died. We know he died for like the big giant things, but. I fail to see sometimes how he wants to redeem my mo- my moments, yeah. my everyday moments, and what that actually looks like. That can be – recognizing that for me has been pretty revolutionary, honestly, um, when I when I really stop and pause to consider uh, that he wants to be with me in every ordinary moment. Mm-hmm. Which if we look back, I mean, if we're fans of the gospel, we love reading about Jesus. I mean, I'm a fan of the whole Bible, but, you know, I'm a fan of the gospels. I love reading about Jesus. He did just that. Yeah. You know, he, he showed up in those ordinary moments that people were having for dinner, you know, um, right. all kinds of things. And I just think that is that is who he is as well. Yeah. And he used things like salt and fish mm-hmm. and bread and light and all these little common everyday things mm-hmm. um, to teach lessons. And, you know, it didn't have to be spectacular. Sometimes I look at like the stuff that I write about and talk about and, and I think, oh man, it's all so ordinary. <laughs> but you know, that's how, I mean, that's kind of what Jesus did too. You know, when you just said that, there's not a, unless I read about it, there's not a day that I think about light hmm. ever. Like, why would I think about it? It's right. just always there. Yeah. But yet it was so, per- that's how Jesus talks about us and him so much. That's not, that's interesting. I never thought about that. It's really lovely. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to think about light today. Let's do. I'm going to look at the sun and think that Jesus is the light. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so dumb. Um, <laughs> um, whatever. What are the other books you've written, Emily? So this is my fourth. I've written – my first book was called Grace for the Good Girl. Okay. Is that the one uh, you did like a Bible study for? I don't know. <laughs> well, you said that you had written something that was supposed to be a Bible study yes, and then it turned yes. into a book. That one okay. I had actually written, um, yeah, like a weekend getaway retreat thing for for high school girls okay um we called it the good girl project uh-huh. and um and so when i when i pitched that book to an editor it was actually meant to be a book for teen girls and then when they took it to pub board the the women in the pub board were like uh can she write this for us instead like, we like this <laughs> yeah so so they actually offered me a two book deal one they said we'd like you to write this for teen girls but first we want you to write it for their mothers gotcha so mm-hmm. grace for the good girl came about was supposed to be a teen book ended up being an, a, a book for women and then the second book was called graceful and it was the teen version of that book so it was a, definitely i rewrote the book i mean it was a totally different oh, book I but gotcha. it's the same concept both about letting go of the try hard life and what that means and looks like um and so the third book is called a million little ways that book about killed me um why because it was about um it was when i had to actually uncover and discover the shape of my own soul and realize and accept that uh, God made me a writer mm-hmm. and that the unique way that he wanted to come out of me is different than the unique way he wants to come out of you. Mm-hmm. And that whatever comes out of us when we are being most fully ourselves, that is our art and that is our worship. And that was what the book was about. And I believed that, but I actually also had to live it. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. You know, it was just hard to sort of that creative tension that comes you know a lot of artists and creatives Mm -hmm. talk about 
you know, that book, The War of Art, you know, there's yeah. a war of uh-huh. art by Stephen Pressfield. And, yeah. and I, and I experienced that in the actual writing of it. And so, um, you know, art definitely mirrored life or life mirrored art, whatever they say, when I wrote that book of having to call out in others, uh, the creativity that's within you, not just as a, an artist or a dancer or a painter, but as a mother or a teacher or a friend, yeah. that I think all of that can be art when it's offered in the presence of God as the person you most fully are. But as I had to call that of others, I had to, I had to actually believe it about myself, and that that was hard. But also, it was a really good work. Is that also around the time when you started discovering that you had a job? Yes, that was the book that yeah. made me realize it because in order I had to value that mm-hmm. and then in valuing that I realized oh this is my work this is my job which makes sense when you talk about it, especially when you explain your first two books because this is something that you had written for like a weekend trip and then all of a sudden someone's like you should make this in the book and you're like what yeah. I didn't even right. plan on writing this in the book and then they're like yeah. oh and write a teen book blah, blah blah you know so I can see how that would have just kind of snuck up on you it did it snuck up and it just I thought that was the only book I'd ever had I just yeah. thought. This is what I have. But it, there's something about, you know, talking about letting go of your try hard life. I lived a lot of life as a good girl and I still call myself a recovering good girl, sort of like doing the right things and living life the right way and um, quote unquote right way. Yeah. You know, like okay. there is a right way to uh-huh. live. Um, but thinking, you know, when I became a Christian, I thought, well, this must be it. Like, here's our rule book. We yeah. got it. <laughs> and I'm going to tackle it. Uh-huh. And I know how to do this. And it turned out I didn't and I couldn't. Um, and it was, you know, life became either like I, I'm awesome because I can do this or uh-huh. I'm terrible because I can't do this. And there was no place for Christ in any of that. Yeah. Um, and so, but once you sort of start to break free of those expectations and recognize, oh, no one could live the Christian life except for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now he lives in me. That's good news. Right. Recognizing that something really wakes up in a person when she realizes that life is not all up to her. And so that, that third book makes sense that that's what sort of came as a result of a freedom of recognizing like, oh, I, I can't do this and I was never Mm -hmm. supposed to. Right. That is such freedom too. And I, I sense that in my, um, oldest child. I don't know if it's an old, are you an old, are you the oldest? I'm not, but my sister and I, my sister's older, but we kind of switch roles in a lot, a lot of ways. It's really odd. Well, I'm the oldest, but I never did any of this, like, have to follow the rules right. I just said, screw all the rules. Right. I don't know what happened to me. But I see <laughs> it in my oldest a little bit. Like, he's 11, and, and we see him, like, um, you know, starting to follow Jesus and come to all of these terms with um, his, like, what we just talked about, the flesh and the spirit. And I see that in him. I see the great desire to want to do right, and I see yeah. the great um, – not what he might feel remorse when he, and remorse is good when we've done something wrong, but I see also this great sense of failure. And so I see that what you're talking about of trying to figure out, I can't do it all right. And I don't have to feel this way when I fail because of Jesus. Um, so it's interesting. I can see that in my son right now, which is crazy. Yeah, I've had people ask me if I'm going to write a book, Grace for the Good Boy. (laughs) (laughs) I am not. No, but somebody should, a man maybe. Someone could. And and really, you know, he could just, you know, tear off the cover that has girl (laughs) and then read it. And it's all the same. You know, it's all the same information. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's weird as a parent. I don't know if you feel this when you start seeing your kids go through stuff like this. Oh, man. And you just want to take it away. You know, you just, yeah. But it's a journey. And, you know, like you wouldn't be who you were if you didn't go through that journey. And Christ says, He's molded you to be who you are and to have the words that you have for all of us because of that. And so, in a a sense, we're grateful for that. Um, But it's hard when you see it in your kids. It is hard. It's hard. You just want to take it. Mm -hmm. You just want to take it. Uh, So, when someone reads Simply Tuesday, they pick it up, which I love the cover, by the way. Do you love it? It's super I cute. love the cover, the yeah. white and the gold. It's, uh-huh. It makes me so happy. I told Aaron on the on the beach, I was like, you know what? This is a book, and I do judge a book by its cover. So oh, everybody, everybody does. Everybody Absolutely. Does. I always say books and wine bottles. Like, you got to have a yeah. good cover or I'm not going to pick it up. <laughs> right. um, but I said, I would pick this up because it's so good. cute. I'm so glad. It draws you in. Yeah. So whoever did it, tell them they did a great job. I will. So the release date is August 18th. Okay. So just a few days after this comes out, the book will be released and we will actually, I'll give away a book over on Instagram. Maybe we'll do something. It's fun. Maybe we'll do something people writing their, what what is your hashtag called? It's, uh, it's simply Tuesday. It's It's simply Tuesday. Yeah. That'd be fun. Oh, that is, that's a great idea. Okay. We'll do that. that. We'll give away a copy of the book and you need to just tell us what is, is that how you ask people? Like, what is the thing that you're noticing today? 
Um, I've, you know, I haven't figured out the best way to ask people, but I've definitely introduced it different ways. Like, you know, Tuesday's the most ordinary day of the week yeah. or it's the smallest day of the week. And, you know, let's take a little time to see our day on purpose or to celebrate the lovely, the messy and the unexpected. I so like there's lots all of, of that. Yeah. 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 There's lots of ways. Every week I just try a different little way and see if it sticks. <laughs> all of it is just means stopping and looking. Yeah, Basically. I mean, it's really, it's when your soul feels held hostage by hustle. What can we do to counteract that? Oh. And part of it is stopping, noticing, oh. taking a breath. Yeah. For me, it's taking a picture, yeah. <laughs> putting uh-huh. it on Instagram, yeah. and forcing myself to see and really be in the moment. That is so good. I mean, I'm thinking about my days, and I think it's harder for me in the school year, and that is weird because all my kids are at school, so you would think, oh, you have the whole day by yourself, which is no, not true because that's I'm not how it yeah, is. That's not how yep. it is. Um, yep. Which people told me, like, you'll be busy. And I'm like, what am I going to be doing? And right. now I know exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. I never stop. But I think it's harder for me in the school year to notice those things than it is in the summer. And I don't know if it's – but the summer's crazy because all the kids are here all day and they're eating three times a day and it's just – you're going, going, going. But for some reason, once I get into the groove in the school year, I think it's because you're just – you've got a schedule. You're working and then you yep. pick up the kids. It's harder for me to notice those things. Yeah, you've stepped up on the – it's like you're on, in the cycle of it. Yeah, school. that's what it is. Yeah. The routine, whereas the summer is kind of lacking a routine almost. Right. I yeah. think that's, I think you're right. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, this is great. Well, I have to ask because I, every time I have an author on here, it, the, the, the world of writing books is so crazy to me because you, this just comes, comes out in August, but are you working on anything else? Oh, heavens no. Okay, good. I, you know, I've wor- I've written four books in five years. You need a break. <laughs> I'm going to die. Um, so, <laughs> no, I'm definitely, I'll always be writing and I will write another book. But right now I'm looking forward to maybe working on some other kind of projects that aren't traditionally published books. So we'll see what's okay, next. Okay, I love that. I know yeah. I'll talk to some authors and their book is coming out in a week and they're like, I know my next manuscript's due in like two weeks. I'm like, this yeah. is crazy world. Yeah, that's been me. That's been me for many years in, until now. Good. I think this book has taught me, you know, mm-hmm. how to say no to that for myself right now. Yeah. And that's that's been really freeing. That's great. That's great. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. Okay, I always ask my guests this, and I don't know if you're prepared for this, so I apologize ahead of time. Okay. I always ask my guests um, three things they're loving in life right now. Like if Ooh. you called up a girlfriend and you're like, you're not going to believe this. It could be a TV show, a lip gloss, a book, whatever. What That's are good. three things that you're loving right now? Well, we've talked about it already. Number one is Instagram. Okay, I yeah. just love it. It's the best platform on the internet. It's beautiful. I mean, you can – it's photos and words combined and – when you look through it, you're not distracted because all you can do is look at one photo at a time. Oh, that's true. I never thought about it like that. You're not like there's no like flashing yeah. things on the side. There's no scrolling feed. Uh-huh. It's just this image and this these words. And I love it. I love I love Instagram thing. too. It's my favorite thing too as well. It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite social media. Um, yep. It's great. And then so that's one. And then second, um, John and I like to watch shows on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now uh, – our current favorite is I hesitate to say it because you know it's kind of violent. It's okay. the black the blacklist. Oh, love it! Do you watch the blacklist? Well, but how many seasons are you into? Oh my gosh! Okay, so we are on season two. How so many are there? There's only two, but okay. it. So season three, I guess, will come out this fall. Um, so we're like halfway through season two. On actually, this is on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so good. It's like a it's like a movie, but that just keeps going. Okay, you know, <laughs> I need you to help. I need you to help me here because I watched season one like binge watch. Like I loved it. Yeah, and I got to season two, and I was confused all the time. Oh well, did you watch it? 
binge or did you have to watch it week to week? I think I watched it week to week. That might be why because it helps to know. Like yeah, I feel I like know. it helps to watch them back to back because you are refreshed. Um, yeah, I've been confused a few times. We've had to rewind. I might pick and it back up. We watch it with captions. Oh, does that help? Yeah, because you don't miss anything and like the oh. different people's names and the stuff. The names, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that helps. Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. I like this show too. Yeah, very good. Oh, so number one, number two. And number three is um, yoga. I'm so into <sighs> yoga right now. Like I, Hot yoga or regular yoga? Oh, no. I do not do hot <laughs> yoga. That is not – that's not something I practice. <laughs> okay, but here's my thing with you. I want to hear why you love it, but I'm going to tell you I did yoga one time and I felt like – I don't know what I'm doing, first of all. What you're asking me to do is kind of crazy. And I'm not sweating. My heart rate's up. I don't feel like this is doing anything. And I left. Right. Power yoga. That is oh, your answer. Okay. Okay. Power yoga, you want to die. Okay. But you also want to live because it's so great afterwards. But it's really hard and you sweat a ton. See, I like um, that in working out. I, I want to yeah. sweat and feel like I'm going to die. I feel like it combines all the things. Like I like to be really, you know, grounded and mindful and Uh and so you have that beginning setting an intention and the end the sort of shavasana the the quiet you know closing it out i like that part but then there's this middle part of sort of like find balance between challenge and success and all of these like i'm gonna i'm gonna die because this is so hard but also i keep my eyes on my own mat i don't have to compare myself to other people because it's just about my own practice there's so many things in yoga that i feel like teach me about real life yeah um but it's also a nice a nice workout, honestly. So um, I really – I like all those. But honestly, too, it's all in the teacher. Part oh, of it is yeah. finding the right instructor. And so that's a I that's should a give key. it a try again. You should. Try some different levels of classes, different teachers, you know. Yeah. Do you take it at a, a like a, a yoga-only place or do you go to a gym where they offer lots of stuff? I, I used to go to a gym and then my favorite yoga teacher opened her own studio. So now I go to her studio. Oh, that's even I followed better. her. Yeah, yeah. That's how you know it's a good teacher when people follow her. When they will follow you, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, a good teacher has followers, I'll tell you that. So That's right. there you go. <laughs> really deep here. Okay, I love all of those things. Good, me too. Yeah, Instagram, Blacklist, and yoga, which I'm not a lover of, but I can see when you describe it, it would make me want to love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who is, do you follow a lot? Okay, I'm always intrigued about people following people on Instagram. Do you oh, follow yeah. any famous people that you just want to see into their world? Um, I'm trying to think if I do. I know I, I do. followed Mindy Kaling for a while. And then for some reason, I don't follow her now. I don't know if I meant to not follow her anymore or not. Wow. But um, I'm more follow. Honestly, I'm less about I want to see into someone's world as I am about I just want to look at gorgeous photos. <laughs> okay. So that's what it is for you. Yeah. For okay. me, it's really like. I want beautiful photos and or people or like my friends in real life for sure who may or may not always have gorgeous photos, but I just love them. So I I want to see their kids and all the things. Um, So I'm pretty picky on Instagram. Are you? Yeah. I always feel like when I put photos up on Instagram, I'm like, who wants to see another picture of my kids is what I wonder. Like, but then I also think like, this isn't, I'm not really doing this for you. It's also for me. I want to capture a moment. And so I'm like, you don't have to follow me if you don't want to see it. So I I have to let it go. It all comes down to the per- your purpose behind Instagram, yeah. and everybody's is different. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yours might change. And so mine has changed over the years. I used to be have a private account for that matter. Um, now I don't. My purpose is different, but it does. It, and that just that is a filter for what photo I'm going to put on Instagram. That's true. It's, what is my purpose? You know, I I think that I might have been private at first as well, but then yeah. I was like, well, and I think it has. It changed my purpose because it's like this area of showing people not just your world but it's like a, like you said you combine pictures with words so you right. can actually say something you know yeah, it's the best it's the best it is the best i love it okay and what is your instagram so everyone can follow you i'm um at emily p freeman emily p freeman yep got it okay emily this has been so much fun it's been so much fun jamie thanks so much for having me thanks for chatting with me today and um i'll put anything we talked about um books, links, whatever. Um, I'll put it up on the show notes so everyone can find it. And then we'll give away a book as well, which is super fun. So sounds good. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Guys, thanks so much for listening. The conversation with Emily was one that I just cherished and loved, and I know that you will as well. Today's show is also brought to you by Nutty Snacks. Guys, it's back to school time and back to school means that you need snacks for your kids. Nutty Snacks are gluten-free, all-natural, high in protein, and they're just plain good for you, and they actually taste really, really good. 
Aaron and I both devour the nutty snacks every time they come in, and every once in a while we let our kids have some. They're perfect for CrossFitters and endurance athletes who need that little extra boost to get you going after your workout. I mean, I wouldn't personally know, but you might know. Um, they're loved by moms like myself who need good snacks for their kids. To know that you're sending your kids to school or to preschool or just in front of the TV to watch Dora with good, healthy snacks is a really good thing. Nutty Snacks comes in these convenient two-and-a-half-ounce packs that you literally can just throw in your bag. We love those a lot. They are great for road trips and great for just throwing in your purse. And then they also have seven-ounce packs that you can share with the whole family. Nutty Snacks are committed to doing good and making a difference. So every purchase of Nutty Snacks that you purchase, a percentage of the proceeds goes directly to the Imani Project to help kids in need. Nutty Snacks, a little sweet and a little nutty and a whole lot of good. Find them at NuttySnacks.com. That's NuttySnacks.com. And they're giving all Happy Hour listeners 15% off. Thank you, Nutty Snacks. Just use the code HAPPYHOUR15. So NuttySnacks.com, HAPPYHOUR15. Guys, Emily's book just released last week. And remember, all the books we mention and chat about, you can find at JamieIvy.com slash HappyHourBooks. I wanted to set up a place where you could remember everything we chat about without having to write it down while you're driving or just basically try to remember it. So just remember Happy Hour Books. So go to jamieivy.com slash happyhourbooks, and I will have all of the books there through Amazon that we talk about and that we recommend. And so Emily's book is there. And anything else that we chat about, like if you're like, I wish I knew the length of what they were talking about, I'll give it to you guys because I'm nice like that. jamieivy.com is going to be in the show notes. Guys, we're going to give away a copy of Emily's book soon over on Instagram, so make sure you follow me. It's at Jamie Ivy. Today's show is produced by Knox McCoy. Next week's episode is number 52 with my friend Kirsten Dickerson. Today's show is produced by Knox McCoy. Next week's episode is number 52 with my friend Kirsten Dickerson. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing with your friends. Thanks for tagging me on your Instagram photos when you're listening. Thanks for everything. Enjoy your week and get some girls together for your very own happy hour. And then tag me and I'll pretend like I'm with you. Bye, guys. See you next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.